Hello, I'm Jolyon Rubinstein, and welcome to The New Conspiracist, the show that has just come out of official morning and is back with a pizzazz and a zest only matched by Liz Truss. That's right, our dear Prime Minister. And as always, beside me in this conspiracy equivalent of James Webb Space Telescope, able to zoom 13.6 billion light years into conspiracy theories in the future to work out the fact from the fiction, I'm joined by my man-wife, my work husband, my lover and my friend, James Ball. How are we? That's that's quite the intro, that's quite the intro I'm quite overwhelmed. We're just just dropping our love <laughs> to, to the whole audience. How have you been? Grieving, obviously. Obviously. But, you know, now we've had a week now. We I'm have. recovering. We I'm have. starting to rebuild my life. Long live the king. Long live the Long king. Live the this king. is a loyal podcast. It is a loyal, huge, <laughs> massive monarchist, both of us. Uh, right. So, Jolien, though, who is joining our royally accredited podcast this week? Listen, I'm not going to lie. I'm a total fanboy of this guy. He is a comedian. He's a writer, podcaster, all around great guy, Richard Herring. Now, Richard, among other things, hosts the uh, popular podcast, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, in which he's interviewed the likes of Sir Michael Palin, Dawn French, uh, and our guest from the other week, Rob Orton. In another podcast, Richard plays snooker against himself and has played himself nearly 150 times. And his forthcoming book, Can I Have My Ball Back?, tackles his diagnosis with testicular cancer back in 2021 uh, and links very seamlessly into today's theme. Well, go on then. You've got to give us it now. What's today's theme? Well, today we're unzipping the trousers of one of history's biggest monsters and seeing if Hitler really only had one ball. And before we dive into Hitler's scrotum, not a sentence I plan to say today, <laughs> remember you can listen to this episode ad-free and access all of our bonus content in the Tier 4 Platinum Circle by heading to www.newconspiracist.com. And you can get in touch with the show at hello at newconspiracist.com. We love to receive your emails. On with the show. Richard. Welcome to the new conspiracist. How are you? I'm I'm very glad to be here, and I'm very well. Thank yes. you. Yes. And are you? Do you feel that you have officially mourned? Um, yes, I think so. It was it was a long period of mourning, and uh, I feel the funeral went on long enough. It was to, quite long, wasn't it? Let, it was sort of sarcastically slow. <laughs> I, so, but that gave <laughs> you plenty of time. To, I mean, this is what happens when you get Peter Jackson to direct <laughs> it, isn't it? <laughs> But hey, guys, bagpipes. (laughs) The bagpipes are good, but I I came a bit obsessed with the guys with the massive feathers in their hats, and one of them had a slightly bigger feather in his hat. Yes. And just wondering where that started, because someone obviously back in the day just picked up a feather and put it in his hat, and then everyone thought, right, I'm doing that. Totally. And then it just grew and grew and grew until someone has to wear this. I just quite like the weird sort of dumb British tradition, (laughs) tradition in air quotes thing, where they have... 126 sailors, like, lashed to this gun carriage. It turns out this is because when Queen Victoria was being pulled for her funeral... The horses bolted just yeah. outside Windsor. No way. And they were like, oh, shit, what do we do now? And so they got some nearby sailors to pull it. Yeah. And now it's just like, yep, no, fuck that, the horses. That's what we do now. It's yeah, I, I saw that. It's crazy. But that's how things, you know, all of this stuff, everything in that whole service would have started in that way and then become, you know, and it becomes, yeah. it, it's sort of so comic, really, if you sort of step away from it and, and, and forget what it's about. Anyway, we must get back yeah. to why we are here today. Now, Richard, before we talk about what we're actually talking about today. Like, 
Do you enjoy conspiracy theories as entertainment? Like, what was the first one you kind of came in contact with? I don't know if it was exactly the first one, but the one that I that I find most entertaining and and surprisingly enduring is the Paul McCartney being replaced right. by someone after a car crash. I think in nineteen, like quite early on, isn't yeah. it? Six, the early sixties. So, what are we saying now? Are you saying that like when you're in uni, you know, smoking weed, trying to rewind the record? <laughs> is that is that what was going on? I don't on? know. But I just you know, I, I always think I found them. I don't think I ever. Got in. I was quite sort of superstitious as a kid and into things like Nostradamus, which isn't exactly. Oh no, that well, that's that's quality theory. stuff. But I think I've always found them a, a bit ridiculous. But the thing is, you know, there's there's you sort of feel one of them might be true. You know, right? I mean, there are conspiracies. The things do go on, and and certainly there are the ones that I think there might be something in. But I, the Paul McCartney one is sort of so the idea that there would be someone who looked exactly like him was actually a bit more talented. <laughs> yeah. uh, and has carried on and carried it on for the rest of his life wasn't missed. Uh, uh, and Jane Asher, whoever Paul McCartney was at the time, went, yeah, no, I'll go along with this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just quite pleasing, and, isn't and it? And just to make that decision in that he's, oh, he's dead in a car crash. Oh, this is good. What could we do? Quick, get this. Oh, no, Steve, his near-identical trend. I always thought when I, when I first heard that conspiracy theory, I was like, well, makes yesterday sound a bit different, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But even though it's sort of, you know, they've, they've found out where that started because I think it was some US uh, disc jockey who kind of started the rumour, I think, as a joke. Uh, and even though they've kind of, you know, it still pervades and there's still people on the internet comparing ear sizes and between it, photos. Oh, and God. so it's, you know, I, I, that's what, but I've always loved obsessive. I've always been fascinated by obsessive people and I'm, I can get obsessed about things as well. So I, I kind of have an admiration for it. <laughs> but, but equally, it's sort of amazing how the human brain can yeah. can push these things. And then once you've gone over the hill, there's no way back, is there? Well, exactly. Yeah. And you, you will be excited things. to know, dear listener, that we're actually going to cover this topic about Paul McCartney with none other than Deborah Francis-White in a couple of weeks. Now, James, what are we going to be looking at today? Well, I just I just want, want to quickly jump in. Nostradamus yeah. did did sort of make a prediction that people like to say was quite close to some of the topics today, didn't right. he? He uh, predicted the rise of Hister. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> I don't know about this. So he essentially sort of said, you know, there'd be a kind of, you know, big demagogic type force. <laughs> uh, but he said Hister. And yeah. uh, people just kind of went, well, that's basically <laughs> Hitler. Are you sure he didn't mean Bister, like Bister <laughs> Village? Like, because that has ruined many, many days of my life. With ex-girlfriends. Oh, just Bisto. He was really anti-gravy. <laughs> well, he was very good at keeping everything vague. And that's so... When everyone goes... He said, you know, someone was saying he predicted the Queen would die and everything. You go, no, I mean, my wife was saying that. I've seen this thing on Twitter, the Queen would die. You go, well, you know, it's, it's not. If you look at it, there's definitely... There's one date or two dates, I think, in the entire thing. One of which is 1999, which was what I was... Uh, September 1999. On to today's topic, the big question, mm -hmm. the one through the ages... Did Hitler only have one ball? <laughs> and Richard, I believe this is a topic that you've written about in your book. So well, please I, tell us more. I have. I mean, well, Hitler's, you know, this sort of, sort of weird coincidences and nothing being uh, an accident. Uh, I did a show many years ago called Hitler Moustache, in which I grew a Hitler Moustache to see why it was so associated with Hitler and not Charlie Chaplin and what would happen if you had one in the modern day, which was people were a bit scared of you and laughed at you. The only one person who absolutely addressed me face to face was uh, I was about midnight walking down Shepherd's Bush Green, a white van man got out of his van and said, fair play, mate, you're a man after my own heart, uh, which was actually the most chilling 
thing I've ever seen. And again, and again, a sort of uh, a little presage of what was to come, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I'd done this show. Uh, so I'd grown the Hitler moustache. And then a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, I um, discovered I had uh, testicular cancer and was going to lose a ball. So, Mate. you know, I could now do a show called Hitler Ball, see if I can reclaim... The one, <laughs> there were so many things that kind of fed into this. You know, that I was I was doing like a show about a podcast about stone collecting stones. Oh, no. I was doing a podcast about snooker ball and playing snooker with snooker balls. But like so many things that I've done in the past, it just sit. And I've done a whole show called Talking Cock. So now I've written a book about yeah, I've written a book about called Can I Have My Ball Back, which is about <laughs> which is about losing a testicle, uh, having testicular cancer. Uh, hopefully, a, a positive story about coming through that, which most people. And you, you are in remission. Yeah, yeah, now. it's fine. Because it's, it's actually, all... the only time I found out, I didn't realise this until, you know, dear Janie Godley, who, yeah. you know, a sort of friend of the podcast that we all know, you know, she started to have you, you sent a pretty amazing tweet being like, <laughs> you're going to beat this, fuck up. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, what was that journey like? Because it's quite taboo for men, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's it's an it's an interesting thing. And that's what the book is about as well, is about why the testicles are associated with manliness quite as much as they are right? when, they're, when they're so weak and pathetic <laughs> and puny. And, you know, you can be felled by a child running into them. So, you know, it's like, I don't know, uh, and, you know, why having big... You know, Just to this... say, we wouldn't advise that to any listeners. Don't, don't send children running into your testicles. I, I, but there's a horrible about three-year toddler age period where yeah. their default head charge yeah, they're exactly is the right, just the, exactly the right height. So. Like, just... And, they sort of haven't intended any malice to you. And so you're just very quietly trying Fells. to, like, not scream, I fucking bastard! <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, it, it's sort of a weird thing. Because And also I've covered, you know, I was doing a... a I wrote a book about International Men's Day and uh, and why men are so obsessed with that ex- not existing when it does exist. Mm. Uh, and so I've been interested in sort of masculinity and what it means. So it's sort of, again, weird that this sort of f- fell into my lap, quite literally. Uh, but it was... It was uh, um, you know, it was obviously scary. It was happening. It was during the second lockdown, I think, that it was all happening. So it was oh, sort of, mate. I, I remember the year before thing, and I've never thought, I'd, you know, no one in my family's family's had cancer, and really? you know, and I thought I've always been quite healthy, and uh, there was no signs aside from one of my testicles felt a bit weird and started, yeah. started to feel like I thought maybe it was a bit bigger, but I wasn't sure. And so, you know, I, I would all, the year before I thinking, oh, what a terrible time this would be to get cancer when you know like, ha, 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 those idiots who are going to get cancer. Uh, and so, you know, but actually the NHS were absolutely amazing and given I was I was seen so quickly right. and um the only thing you know I don't, they didn't really maybe because they're not until they can confirm it's cancer they're not allowed to talk about it being right, cancer right, right. but they didn't really let me know early doors that it's is a pretty survivable cancer it's a pretty curable cancer mm. uh so so you basically you know if it's gone far enough you have it whipped off and that luckily for me everything was just in there because it's sort of not in your body, you know. No, you, right, totally. So, it's, so yeah, as long as it doesn't spread into, and even if it does, it's still treatable. I had one sort of preventative shot of chemo just to, which helps to stop it coming back. Right. I mean, so, it's it's genuinely it's one of the you know if you're going to get a cancer, yeah. it's a really good one to it's, get. It's you, a great cancer. Your body chose. It's weird well how much we've you. been talking about good cancers. <laughs> today. I did a podcast recently on where the big farmer was hiding cancers and literally well, rated the good cancers. Yeah. Well, we did uh, we did Hitler last week, cancer yeah. two weeks ago. <laughs> so you know this is finally bringing it all together. But but just you know for people who are worried, it's higher than ninety five percent, including when it's caught late. Yeah. And when it's caught 
and before it spread, it's higher than 99%. Exactly. It's so, like ludicrously yeah, so, good sort of prognosis if you get treatment. Yeah, so the thing is just to get get to know yourself. When this yeah. is true of any part of your body, the way we can get cancer, including breasts for men as well as women, uh, you know, just keep checking yourselves. Uh, if you know what they feel like, and, yeah. what, and then when they, if ever they feel different, or there's, weirdly, this year, I got a I got a, a lump on the other one, the remaining one, and thought, oh shit, this is, the, yeah. this is the end. And it just turned out to be a kind of cyst, which is, again, something that can so this is yeah. what I had. Also, it's good to be able to say that men feel your balls more. You know, like, <laughs> who doesn't like to be able to say that? But I actually had the same thing where I was I was filming in New York. I found what I was sure was a lump. Yeah. Absolutely terrified. Yeah. Because you get an ultrasound first. Yeah. Right. And then I found, I think, just like you and your other ball, like sebaceous cyst. Yeah. But it's terrifying. Yeah. It's quite existential. And you don't, I don't think men are very good at talking no. to your mates about it. In fact, I was completely closed off. I didn't say anything, yeah. which I kind of had now because it, it really is scary. Did you find it, it hard to, to talk about it? Or were you, I mean, you I would just, by your family? Or? We sort of made the decision. I, mean, I talked to my wife about it and she said, you know, I said, I think I should talk about it because I'd talked about this subject so much. Yeah. And she said, well, you know, be careful because, you know, the minute it's out, it's it's out, as it was also true. Everyone's talking about your balls. <laughs> and, uh, um, but I just, it was actually, the, and for personally, as well as for everyone else, it was absolutely the right thing to do. A, you know, by talking about it, at least three or four people have said I checked myself out, and you know I've now been in hospital and I've just had the operation. No yeah. way! So, so you know that's fantastic. That's brilliant. But also, just the minute you mentioned it and you were open about it, I got so many tweets from people saying, "Hey, don't worry, I had this thirty years ago, wow. and here I still am." And like even people I knew quite well, I didn't know. No way. So lots yeah. of people who. Um, the minute you um, you you talk about it, it opens up, and I think it is much much better to talk about it because yeah, in the in the early. Part of it, it was terrifying. It was, you know, and it was, I've got young kids and that was the, as I got the phone call saying, yeah, this could be something, you know, I was listening to my, my four-year-old or three-year-old son as he was then probably um, sort of laughing in the next room and that's a really, oh, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, and it becomes, you become sort of, it all comes down to yourself and you go, oh, you know, he'll never know who I was and stuff. Yeah. As well as he'll grow up without a father. Uh, but um, then there'll be someone else he'll call dad and, you know, you get all that. <laughs> the existential threat. Yeah. <laughs> which comedian, comedian people know quite a lot about anyway. Tell me, did you meet a lot of commissioning editors at the BBC who had no balls? <laughs> uh, was that just, uh, just, just, I was just, just, the, just wondering. So this this podcast is sponsored by Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, now unlike a lot of podcasts, we like to combine song with testicles. So talk to me about this epic tome that we all somehow picked up, right? I mean, like it's been part of my consciousness. Forever, but you—you've looked into this song yeah. somewhat, have you not, Richard? A little bit, yeah. I mean, as as you've realised as well, there are lots of different versions of it, uh, and it's sort of—it's not exactly clear where where who started it up and where it came from. But obviously, it sort of was around the uh, start of World War Two. This song, Hitler has only got one ball. This is the—I think this is possibly the original version. I'm not even sure, but it's, it, it might not be the version you know. Hitler has only got one ball. Goering has two, but very small. Himmler is rather similar, but poor old Goebbels has no balls at all and Go- I think they would say Go- Go- the in- English pronunciation of Goebbels makes that a bit of a better rock. Goebbels has no balls at all so I do like Himmler is rather similar yeah. though 
I mean, it's similar. It's rather similar. It's when you think about it, it's clearly a reverse engineered idea. They've noticed. I think someone's noticed. Goebbels sounds like Nobles. Himmler's got. Oh, we got something for that. Yeah. Well, the tune the tune comes from a World War One song. Yes, it's Colonel Bogey, isn't it? Yeah, Colonel Bogey March, which was written by British composer Frederick Joseph Ricketts in 1914, and by the early 1930s, the sheet music had sold more than one million copies. You've got to be mad when you think about it. You write some ditty on the piano and then everyone's singing about balls. Like, you weren't expecting <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't There's some expected. sort of remix culture I mean, online. That's, that's the history of British folk songs. I mean, every, <laughs> everything you've ever heard it sort of started as something high-minded and yeah. then went full music hall. Oh, I don't filth. know, Colonel Bogey's pretty. You know, if he's called it Colonel Bogey, it's already, he's already thinking I mean, this it was is funny. Yeah. It, it was sounds a like a grime artist. artist. <laughs> Colonel Bogey could be laying down bars. Like, I'm not joking. I'm just wanna interested in how the fuck we ended up the the Albert Hall version. Yeah. Like because that was the version I knew as a kid. Hitler only had one ball, the other was in the Albert Hall. Why yeah. is unexplained. So I feel like this was because like I knew this in primary school. I think this is, you know, show off. We've been talking about all the coincidences around Richard and Hitler. Let's be honest. If I'd have married Adolf, uh, <laughs> our surname would be Hitler Ball. So, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. You know, it's, Hitler Ball. We all have our, our crosses to bear on this front. But love to see you change your Twitter name for that, just for a day, just to see what would happen. Well, look, you know, as we'll get into later, there's quite a lot of Hitlers around in South America. So until fairly well, recently, the health minister of Peru was uh, Hitler. Oh, really? But look, the original version of the song sort of requires you to have some sense of who Goering, Himmler and Goebbels are, which I know now. (laughs) (laughs) At seven, that might have been a little bit too much Nazi-specific knowledge. So I wonder whether we ended up with this paired-back version just to you sort know, of suit think all the, but they, it, it goes from you know well, it goes from army to playground you know and, right. and 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 yeah and in the playground what I, I've always found that fascinating that you talk about certain songs and things you sang at school and then yeah. someone on the other side of the country totally also has picked that up so these things spread somehow I mean obviously with TV and everything it's a bit more obvious how that happens but it used to happen before that yeah. I think and, and so, how I yeah. mean it's so weird isn't it like I think about like how did that percolate into my consciousness. And I have absolutely zero fucking clue. Yeah. At but, all. But it's the same as, uh, this is very similar to football chants and yeah. on, on the terraces and people make up these songs, suddenly all start singing them at the same time. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's sort of, there's a sort of magic there where something, so it clearly starts with one person singing it and then totally. uh, and 10 people going, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, let's it change is, it to it that. It really is. <laughs> What just on one version of this before we sort of skip off the song too far? There's a sort of really puzzling version of it that has a second <laughs> verse that opens like Rommel has four or five, I guess. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> so I ended up trying to look this up. I don't think there's really any conditions where you would be born with more. So oh, there, there, are, there is polyorganism. It's possible to be born with. I think like the most is uh, six or seven. Oh wow! So, so Rob- it is. It Rommel, is Rommel wasn't dreaming big enough. <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, it is possible to have more, but it's it, it's incredibly rare. And it's, it's occasionally three, but uh, it's very rare to get more than three. Hang on a second. Three. How many people are born with three balls? Is I this a remember. real thing? 
Yeah, I can't remember this. I, I can't. I did have this. It's in the book somewhere. Richard, it sounds like a con conspiracy theory. <laughs> I want to see the peer-reviewed evidence. Yeah. Can we at least do at least one version together of the actual song to the tune? Which I'd like to go with the classic. I think the Albert Hall is the classic. Are okay. we all ready for this? So okay. Are we stopping? Uh, are we stopping at small? Uh, we can do what you're, the thing is, I think I'm going to lose the tune. I think I'm. I'm not sure. I know that much more than the first. So it goes. You know, Hitler has, has only, only got, got one ball. The other is in the Albert Hall. His mother, the dirty bugger. Chopped off when Hitler was small. Oh, I don't know that, but it's chopped off the other when he was born. Is the one I know. I mean, I've got to say this. It, we've got stuff about you know. Apparently, she threw balls into apple trees after that. And they <laughs> flew into the deep blue sea. I mean, and apparently, fishes got out their dishes, which I like is where a, a fascinating. Got out the dishes. Maybe these are Atlantean and scallops and bollocks for tea. Oh, wow. um, I have not seen this. Atlantean fishes, highly yeah. advanced, um, using knives and forks yeah. to eat testicles of Nazis. So have you seen, um, you know, again, from our from our notes from our producer, there are two people who claim to have written it. Okay. What? Uh, so neither of these has been verified, but there's, um, the song sort of appeared among troops from 39. So this did not take a long time to sort of percolate in the consciousness. Um, but British composer and broadcaster Hubert Gregg claims to have written lyrics, submitted them anonymously to the British War Office. <laughs> <laughs> What, he uh, says he wrote them a letter? Yeah, going, oh, have man. you considered saying that Hitler only had one testicle? Um, and then British marketing and PR executive uh, Donna O'Brien claims his father, Toby O'Brien, wrote the lyrics while he was a publicist for the British Council. Right, just... I don't um, believe any of these. I don't, they don't, <laughs> no, I don't either. They don't feel like they're... It feels like they've come out of the consciousness of soldiers rather than they've been written. It feels to me like a, yeah. a group effort. Totally. It's the uh, football they, chanting. Yeah, yeah, it they, is they, exactly they, that. You know, someone's gone, oh, this is good. This but is what good. I want to know is, where did the initial information... Where did it start leaking? Hey, do you know he's got one nut? <laughs> like, where does... Because that's, that's kind of an odd thing. You don't usually, like, cast someone going, um, yeah, yeah, I think, he's got one testicle. But I think in a, in a military context, I think you possibly do. And what's quite interesting interesting when you look at it is quite a lot of I saw the other day someone saying Napoleon supposedly only had one ball which is the first really? time I'd ever heard that uh, but also uh, Franco was, was said to only have one ball so it's a way it's, it goes back to all this men you need to be masculine you need massive real balls, men must have huge nuts huge yeah. balls yes. and so they're, anything they're that's unusual start, yeah. so anything that's unusual down there and ironically I think you know Hitler had I mean there's, there is as we'll get to I'm sure some sort of partial evidence well this is what I wanted to say well, well, James is there any real evidence that he actually did only have one ball so of course with this kind of stuff there's completely contradictory evidence because we've sort of always had this thing where you know the bad guy has one ball sort of from history beforehand <laughs> it's sort of implausible but there's a German historian who claimed to have unearthed long-lost medical records. Uh, from oh, this a, sounds good already. <laughs> from an examination done after. So Hitler sort of had a failed attempt to come to power in um, in the Beer Hall Putsch of 1923. And he says that there Always was... Always been uh, my favourite putsch, by the way. ...sort of evidence that he may have had a sort of undescended testicle or possibly no testicle at all. But... Um, Hitler's childhood doctor, Edward Bloch, was uh, interrogated by an American official in 1943 and said that Hitler's genitals were, quote, completely normal. Right. Well, there you go. Now, the sort of Soviets said that they did an autopsy on Hitler's body and it only had one ball. 
But is they that said, legit? Did they actually they do that? They said the left testicle was missing. Well, oh. But equally, like, Hitler was burned, like, uh, his body was completely yes. burned up. Or, and also, the p- fragment they skull they have is a, from a female. Yes. yes. It turns out. So what they've got, you know, there's no way a, a testicle would, <laughs> they can't go, he hasn't got a left testicle oh, yeah. or anything else because he's a pile it, of that. It really doesn't sort of back it up. Um, <laughs> no. And so the sort of... 1923 notes were supposedly written by uh, Dr. Joseph Steiner Brin, who's a medical officer at Landsberg Prison. Now, the records. Now, my note here says surfaced at an auction in Bavaria in Which 2010. Which I love. <laughs> this sounds like the start of a Bond film. You know where you're like, are these genuine? This is feels like a really shit version of the Holy Grail thing. It's, it's when Le Carre you know, was getting bored the in the nineties. He was like, I suppose I could start the, the, uh, the thing. But there's, there. there's sort of just a brilliant next sentence, which is, but were swiftly confiscated by the Bavarian government. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, maybe the powers that be in Bavaria are covering up the sort of hidden truth. This is true. Can I just ask you a question though, Richard? You just yeah. said so. The bone fragment of Hitler that was claimed to be that they they realized this was fr- from a woman's skull. Yeah, so yeah, there's there's a there's a few bits left aren't there from yes. you know whether that's Eva Braun or whether that's just some maybe he just have had a very effeminate skull. Keith, maybe he did. Yeah. But you know, the, the, but equally, they wanted to propagate this myth because it because it makes Hitler seem not masculine and weird. And so there's you know, but there's plenty of stuff about Hitler that's, that. Well, we do have he's he's got balls or he's ballsy. Yeah. Sort of, it, there is some th- mystical property. Maybe yeah, his skull was gender fluid before it became in vogue. <laughs> it, you could, know. it could be. Who but knew? I think it's you know, it's more likely the Russians wanted to kind of denigrate him. So I don't think that's true. Yeah, there's a. I mean, there's a there's a medical records from the First World War that he maybe had had an a, a injury to his upper thigh, but again, I don't think the people who wrote Hitler as, as yeah. able, were aware of these things. So it would be incredibly it would be an incredible coincidence, and I don't think that Hitler has something similar either. So, <laughs> it would be an amazing coincidence if all these things that turned out to be true. But yeah, but I think the people are is what is one of those examples of people wanting something to be true and, yeah. then, and finding evidence, or it being. You know, it being like, oh, here, there's a couple of times where th- bits of evidence have come up. Uh, equally, his valet says that they once urinated together by some trees, <laughs> which answers the question, did Hitler piss in the woods? Uh, and, um, uh, and he said that Hitler was normal. But again, that would imply Hitler, had, for, for Linz to know about his testicles, right? if you're weeing in the woods, he would have to pull his pants and his trousers that, right it's down. It's also, that's and, a lot more attention than you usually pay <laughs> to someone while we... Especially if it's your boss. Yeah. You're not like looking at their cock. I mean, like, I think you'd have it? to get underneath. <laughs> They'd be looking up. I mean, I, I, if it was Donald Trump, maybe. Yeah, you know, I've, you wouldn't know. I've oddly got another piss, piss story here, which is, uh, according to the author of Explaining Hitler, Ron Rosenbaum, uh, the testicle had been lost when the child Hitler took part in an ill-advised barnyard prank in which he attempted to urinate down the mouth of a billy goat. <laughs> Fuck off. That is... Incredible. Hitler what? pissing into a billy goat's mouth. So it's not where I kind of thought my career was leading I didn't think to. that's what this this morning was to be about. But also what I was most fascinated was it's not just Hitler's testicles that mythology has been built around. It's also his actual penis. What is it exactly about uh, the, the penis of Adolf Hitler that people have been most interested in, James? So, so according to a 2015 book titled Hitler's Last Day Minute by Minute... 
I really wonder what minute this was the most. I was about to say, it sounds like your wife says, doesn't it? Uh, but Hitler suffered from a rare condition known as penile hypospadias, in which the urethra opens on the underside of the penis. Right, can someone just explain? Because I read this somewhere earlier. What does that actually mean? It means that instead of we kind of coming out at the end of right. it, it sort of drops out the bottom partway along. How the fuck can... Uh, what? Are we saying there's like a secret underneath blowhole? <laughs> well, like... on, on some people, yes. This is the real condition no that people way. have. You know, and it has, it can have health issues, etc. Well, I would imagine but so. I, I mean, you know, I can't... Other Hitler sort of theories are that he lost a testicle to shrapnel at the Battle of the Somme. Yeah. So Boring. Maybe, maybe he had nobles. <laughs> maybe I find that Maybe he lost one to the billy goat, lost one to the shrapnel, <laughs> and then had a deformed penis maybe too. He had, maybe he had ten or so to start with, and just <laughs> he was left with three or four. Like you know. cats have nine lives. Yeah. Hitler sort of had nine balls. You know, you want these things to be true. They're great right. stories, and then you convince yourself that maybe they are, and you can't win, can you? Because any no. evidence that comes up, you can just say, well, that's... That's there to stop this. That's been put there to 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 put us off the scent. So there's literally, if you if you allow yourself into that rabbit hole, there's no way of getting out of it again, uh, unless you kind of go, well, look, I'm really going to. But th- but this is what's you know because of the internet, we've all been able to research yeah. things ourselves and find out we know more about COVID than the experts who've been studying it for years. And because, you know, and a lot of it just comes from what you would like to happen like as a good story. Just yeah. With COVID, I would have, you know, we'd have all liked it if it was a conspiracy and that, was we, a bioweapon, that we were allowed yeah. to go outside, actually, <laughs> because it was annoying that we were all stuck inside. So, you know, that it, you convince yourself because it's something you deeply want. Totally. Or, and, you know, it's, it's I find, especially as I get older, I find it incredible that friends of mine who I would see, uh, see as intelligent young people, when they were young, would have wanted evidence and would have been um, uh, on top of all of this, absolutely falling into these uh, about uh, various subjects or, you know. Well, we found with it, we found actually more stand-ups than you would think believe that no one landed on the moon. Right. I mean, it's kind of wild. Have you ever got caught up in any kind of online conspiracy theories? Like, have you ever been, like, subject to, you know, a good pile-on because of that kind of stuff? I mean, I don't know about conspiracy. I mean, I've certainly been piled on about stuff. Oh, that's no doubt. <laughs> but, but weirdly, only when I say, whenever I go and say something reasonable and nice, that's when I get yeah. When I get pylons. Uh, but you so. and Stuart got Why are you being reasonable stuff, when people online? are dying, on, <laughs> yeah. dying of starvation? But there was quite a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of sort of comedy folklore about how you guys were connected and then not with Armando and the day-to-day. And yeah. That was, a, that was a good one. Well, yeah. But there was, there was, uh, well, there was whether we created Alan and Partridge yes. was, a, was, a, was a big one, I suppose, which is interesting because that actually came about. I mean, we were we were involved in... We wrote for the uh, the... On the hour, which was the the origins of all that stuff, and we wrote the first things Alan Partridge said, said literally the first words. But, but we didn't create the character. You know, Steve and I. Well, according to the you, character, according to the internet, says <laughs> something think, completely but different. But I think this came about because you know, like I think because we we all fell out over uh, ownership of of characters, weird enough, because because it, it was such a it was such a group way of doing it, and everything everyone doing things in different places. So and. And so Can I just contextualise people who might not know what On The Hour was? Yeah, so On The Hour was like a radio show. Radio 4 uh, was Armando Yanucci's, was the mastermind behind it. He brought together Steve Cook and Chris Morris. We were writers, a fantastic cast of people. Everyone's gone on to do something uh, phenomenal in, in one way or another, uh, in different degrees. Uh, and it was sort of just a spoof news, news programme before the news kind of 
ever had been really spoiled. Well, and, and before it went, before it actually went as nuts as 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 on the I know some of on the air would sound normal now. It hit the ground running and was very successful. Went on to be the day today. Went on to spawn. Yeah. Alan Partridge was one of the commentators in it, and obviously all everything that's happened with Alan Partridge. Uh, but because the you know, and, and I, I sort of realised what was because we we would come in with ideas and then the cast would improvise around some of them. And you know, I came in. I'd listened to the Radio Force coverage of the Maastricht Treaty being published, which was like this big, thick thing. And the and the and the the guy who the, you know it had been out for an hour or something. And the guy goes, so "What's in the Maastricht Treaty?" Well, you know, it's it's an amazing. You know, the, I heard this guy trying to bluster his way through. Can I just say, I've had to do that, <laughs> yeah. and it's an absolute bastard. So live on Radio Four, this guy trying to summarise a thing that he couldn't possibly have read. And I went into Armando and said, "You know, this well, this amazing. would be a great character." Uh, and then they did Peter O'Hanlon. Peter O'Hanlon. <laughs> so they improvised it. But then it was immediately on Pick of the Week that week, and it said, and that sketch written by Amanda Nucci and Patrick Marber. And I went, <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. And I went but that was entirely my idea. And Amanda went, yeah, no, you just heard it on the radio. Oh! And I went, well, no, I came in, you know, I completely, you know, so I created, I would say I created that character, but obviously the way it was performed was, so we had all these issues. So is that, is that why you had Amanda killed and replaced by <laughs> <laughs> Very clearly a body double. Anyone who's so seen we had, we had, you know, it became obvious that we needed to kind of work out something. The reason we didn't do this, we started working on the TV show and it would have been an amazing thing for me because I was absolutely broke and, and, they were, <laughs> and, and they were giving us something like 11 minutes of TV time. And, you know, for me, it would have been an unbelievable fortune. Uh, and also, I think, you know, you, I was aware... This is going to be the thing. This is going to be. Mm. The, this is going to be our generation's Monty Python, which is sort of, sort of. I mean, it sort of was. And so we, our, our manager, tried to get a, a deal where we would have some rights in terms of the characters that right. we helped create. Which, with Alan Partridge, imagine if he just oh. said, <laughs> if he just managed to get his half a percent of, yeah, of yeah, Alan yeah. Partridge. <laughs> you know, so he was in, in complete You'd be taking that host house dollar. <laughs> Just take it in. It'd be completely right to do it, and we and and we, they wouldn't give us the rights, and so we sort of ended up not doing it. But then, so there was a little. It was weird because we'd all been quite good, sort of good friends. Though we, me and Stu had done a sketch show in Edinburgh with um, Steve Coogan and Patrick Marber and Simon Munnery, and we'd sort of all a little bit. It had been a little bit fractious. And, and so amazing. We, so people who went to Edinburgh <laughs> lived together for a month, drunk every single day, started falling out. That's never happened before. So especially with at the pa- fringe, especially with Patrick, who became obviously kind of wanted to write this sketch show though that he could star in it really, and yeah. we would just take you know. And so it was all a bit unbalanced. And I think a few years later, Patrick said something in an interview. Said, "Yeah, I expect Lee and Herringer claiming they created Alan Patrick, <laughs> which we'd never done." But then the internet went wild. But then from then on, we we claimed we'd re- we create. <laughs> <laughs> just because, just because we thought it would, so, or Stu certainly did a lot. So it, it's it's become this thing, and and it's amazing when you look at stuff like that because on Twitter you'll see people commenting on things, and occasionally I'll, you know if you search your own name you'll see people talking about a hundred percent. And so you can go in with the facts of what happened. You go, no, well this is actually what happened, so, and they'll so- go, no. Just to sort of pull, pull us back to this, you know, always good to have a reminder for our audience that <laughs> comedians are all vainglorious, <laughs> awful, you know, backbiting people. But comedians, as we've been saying, loads of these conspiracy theories, especially online conspiracy theories, start with people trying to be funny. Yeah. yeah. So should we just preemptively, <laughs> for the public good, to save democracy, 
lock up all the comedians. <laughs> Good yes. I think I think people would come up with this stuff uh, regardless because because it is you know it's and just then they become a comedian and you lock them it's, up. It's because people are, and I think and I don't think really you can blame comedians because comedians will be finding the funniness in a situation. But I think people feel I think because we feel we've been lied to. The reason they become so prevalent is because the press has been you know it's it's so hard to counter it because the press have been lying for years yeah. and, and the politicians have been lying for years so politicians have realised you know like Trump has completely realised I could just go along with QAnon and totally. you know, and then I can ride this wave even though I am you know even though I've been president I can claim there's some <laughs> dark state uh, and so you know so it's it's much more about people being people don't want to appear foolish and so, therefore, they'll be suspicious of everything. I think and totally. That, and if you're, if you, but if, but that's more, that's worse than being gullible. To to, to not believe anything is worse than being Don't taken in fucking, by a lie. I it's think, fucking so. mad that, like, you know, Zelensky literally was a satirist, yeah. right? Like, he's actually a political leader. Trump was obviously an entertainer, yeah. And now you've got like, you literally do have a situation. I mean, I think this is partly because of the false equivalence. Margaret Thatcher by... was, of course, a vaudeville singer, <laughs> isn't <laughs> you? Yes. Vaudeville singer. But, you know, this idea of sort of quote-unquote balance, right, yeah. has led to huge, climate change being sort of a, the totem of this, right, yeah. and, and, and not very well seen. And comedians have ended up calling out a lot more than often journalists have yeah. been able to. I mean, is this where it sort of begins? I think so. But, you know, I think that balance thing is very important. I was talking to Marie, Marina Hyde's a guest on my uh, podcast in a bit. I was talking this about that. Friend of the pod, Marina Friend of the Hyde's pod, maybe Dill. I think balance, you know, became to mean you have to have a view on the left, you know, a view on that extreme and a view on that extreme. Right. Whereas most things, 80% of people are bang in the middle. Right. So if you were going to have a balanced panel, it would be eight people who <laughs> think the thing that everyone thinks and maybe one person every now and again yeah. from the from the other 10%. But it's like, you know, the most extreme, the most extreme yeah. and one person from the middle, maybe. And so then that popularises, though, you know, that makes those views seem much more uh, valid than they well, actually are. So, you know, with climate change, it's exactly, yeah, you know, totally. exactly that we all... You, you, even though 90% of experts or whatever, more than that probably isn't it, would say it's definitely happening, you have to have the one guy who says it isn't happening who's clearly... Mental. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also like, but it's also, you know, we were talking to Marina about this, but do you remember even, I think it was last Christmas when Stuart Lee did his little private list of things that yeah. he likes and doesn't. Yes. And then it turned into this fucking massive story yeah. because people didn't like it. We're like, oh, this isn't balanced. <laughs> and it's like, what? Are you actually mental? Like, this was not even something he tweeted out. Like, this was just something <laughs> I was just laying on his website that suddenly people pick up on. And I mean, is that is that because, you know, on some level, particularly stand-up satirists, you know, they've started to become sort of, some, with the media, particularly, the, you know, places like the Daily Mail, have started to sort of contrive situations where they've sort of become political commentators de facto. A little bit. I mean, but also I think in the, in the show I did about the Hitler moustache, I think comedians and, and uh, you know, authoritarian <laughs> fascist rulers have quite a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of, and once they get successful, they really start to believe... Yeah. In themselves and they sort of as a committee and both they have to it gets stronger and stronger I would say it's better to go down the comedy route yeah. than, than, than the fascist route, <laughs> the fascist route. I, th I think but, also if, if you start thinking that you're making a serious political sort of commentary and points with your comedy expect to get treated like any other political yeah. commentator and I think I think comedians have a you know I think I see a lot of comedians have a similar thing to Trump which is they they're very good at 
criticizing everyone else. Right. But if anyone comes in and says, "Hold on," then then everything, <laughs> everything, everything, everything could have been a lot, a lot of comedians and a lot of successful comedians because it's the same thing. You you get to a pinnacle, yeah. and then you're scared about it all collapsing beneath you, or you know, or you or you've created a persona. So comedians are a persona, you know, and uh, totally, and, and so therefore it does become confused. But so yeah. I'm just aware that we're running out of time. Okay. So shall we shall we take a last moment to say some mean things about Hitler? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Go. Hitler, Hitler's health conditions probably didn't include only having one ball, but he was pretty unlikely to live to 90, to be honest, because one thing he did have, I should say people have these conditions, so we're not laughing. All, it's just funny to picture Hitler doing this. He did have like lifetime sort of endemic crippling stomach cramps and the shits. He did have the shits, didn't he? Uh, and so he tended to sort of, you know, this. a lot of this is from um, German historian and filmmaker Bormann Ola, who uh, wrote a book called Blitzed. But he was constantly on amphetamines. He, he loved it. Oxycodone, he was on cocaine, all sort of prescribed. Uh, he had enzymes, liver extracts, hormones, tranquilizers, muscle relaxants, morphine to induce constipation, and then laxatives to relieve it. Jesus Christ. Um, and he would get injections of almost certainly of amphetamines. German soldiers were on amphetamines. Then again, this was the 40s. Housewives were on amphetamines. This is the, this is the Dr. Feelgood so, stuff again. Yeah. Right? Oh, is. yeah. And so, yeah, he, he was possibly on up to 92 different kinds of drugs. He must have been tripping balls so as well. Like, the, the idea he, he made it to a ripe old age who died in, in the 90s, probably not. I mean, the bullet in his skull was probably a bigger <laughs> health issue. But also, when you look at his speeches and then you think he was literally fucking getting injected with liquid speed... It's like you you do just sort of go, yeah, no, I get it now. Because he is constantly, I had fine, you know, it's like, wow, he was really off his absolute nuts. You know, I mean, that's the one that I find the most fascinating. Have nuts. you looked at Hitler being off his absolute chops? Uh, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely. That, that Hitler, a bit out there. bit off his chops. Well, he didn't, you know, but again, it's that I was similar with comedians. A lot of them are, <laughs> are, are all sorts of drugs, which doesn't help, but I don't think it makes any difference. They would they would have that, they would have that level. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, I, I, would, I would come down with he, he was a bad guy. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a controversial <laughs> opinion here. Hitler, not a great guy. Hitler, like most comedians, <laughs> pretty bad. Ah, oh, I can see Richard has his book open to a certain page. Well, I no, like I was just going to say, because like, even though I don't think Hitler had one ball, but like it's quite, Nigel Farage has only got one ball. It's true. Lance Armstrong's only got one ball. Oh. I've only got one, but Tom Green, Shakespeare's Richard III, I mean that, Chairman Mao possibly. So it's a lot of bad guys. So who are the guys that you have? Do you have like a secret society? <laughs> I think. Meet like yeah. something, do you mean in like the Statue of Liberty's yeah, left testicle? It, it is. Or so, well, that's the secret, but I don't, I'm not going to reveal if that. If you on had this. to have a dinner party with you <laughs> and three other people who only had one ball, yeah. who would they be and why? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's not much to choose from, is there? <laughs> so let's go with the ones that you've we've already. Let's yeah. establish Hitler's got one as well. Let's so he can be Hitler's there if you want. Um, so do you want Hitler around your dinner table? I would. Oh. Good Daily Mail. Uh, I mean, I would not be, inter shame it'd be, it'd be interesting. Herring to... wants to have dinner with Hitler. <laughs> it'd be interesting to meet <laughs> meet Hitler and talk to him about. Uh, I think you've got a good selection the... there. Farage, Mao, and Hitler would be. Uh, that would go off, wouldn't yeah. it? I have been in the same room as Farage, and I actually couldn't. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> I did, so I didn't, I, and I couldn't. Face him or talk to him, so I don't think I'd like to. There was a real, but how much of that's projected? But there was a real 
clown. I was actually walking down a corridor after midnight with just me and Nigel Farage, and it was quite a dark corridor. No way. Was it, was it, Shepherd's, was it Shepherd's Bush? It was. <laughs> it wasn't the guy. <laughs> so you, so, yeah. you, sort of, you sort of think, you know, that, that's if you could go back and kill the baby Hitler, would you do it? I had the... <laughs> go it back was, and do it. It was after Brexit, so I think it would have been pointless to, to do I did it. not know that, that, that Farage only had one ball. I will be honest, I didn't. Right, listen, we have got to the part of the podcast where we need to decide whether this conspiracy theory about Hitler only having one ball is a fugazi or if it is true fact reality. So, Richard. I don't think this is real. I think this is projection backwards from a very funny song. Uh, and I think the, the Hitler having one ball isn't even the funniest bit of the song. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> it's all the, the rest of it's funny. So I think like it, it's about trying to emasculate a, a you know a, an authoritarian figure and i think people have attempted to create evidence that backs it up uh, but if you look at that evidence it does not like a, uh, like a hitler's penis it does not, <laughs> it does not stand, stand, stand up <laughs> well you know people sort of talk about divine symmetry in all of this like you've got richard herring who did you know a year of a hitler mustache did a cock story, then a ball story. <laughs> Hitler then having the deformed cock and one ball. Yeah. I, I need it to be true <laughs> because it's just so elegant if it's true. So, yes. You say yes. Your song yes. was right. Yes. Well, this is the man that thinks that JFK was literally shot by Lee Harvey Oswald. As well. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm going to say that the elephant in the room is where does the Albert Hall come into it? Why is the Albert Hall being left out of these discussions? Well, maybe if we search the Albert Hall thoroughly and we discover <laughs> a test. School, we DNA test it, and then we can, then the mystery is how did it get there? I love, the, I love the idea that just in the annals of the Albert Hall is just one testicle just lying, waiting to be discovered. The first new conspiracist meetup will be in the Albert Halls looking now, for the secret testicle. Rich, room. there may be at least one person who currently does not follow you on social media. Right. Where you are hilarious, thank you. It's gonna be said. So, uh, where can they find you, and what have you got coming up? Because you do your podcast live, yeah. at the Leicester Square Theatre. Yes. Been well, there a couple of times. Great show. Thank you. Yeah, well, I'm Herring1967 on Twitter. I think I'm RK Herring on Instagram. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I'm doing the Leicester Square Theatre. Lots of gigs there. So uh, Monday, most Mondays till the end of November. Who have you got coming up? We've got Bob Mortimer. Oh. We've got Sarah Pascoe, uh, Victoria Corrin and, and Annika Rice on in the same week. I mean, What? Annika Rice? Yeah, that's a pretty exciting... Oh, pretty exciting. my God. That is amazing. She's making a comeback, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. She's, They're actually she's bringing doing, back the show. She's doing comedy as well. She's a fantastic stand-up comedian. Oh, I would her. love to and see she's, that. And she's great. I, I interviewed her during lockdown, but uh, remotely. So I'm really excited about seeing her live. But that, that's lots of fun. The book's coming out in uh, October the 20th. Can so, I and they can pre-order that now? Yeah, pre-order that wherever you get. There's an audio book version with some extra stuff. Would you like to be able to say the title clean? Can, <laughs> can I Have My Ball Back is the is the title. Uh, and I do loads of stuff online if you get very... I mean, I do so much stuff, it's actually impossible. If to, you've never seen to. one of Richard's Twitch nights, <laughs> let me tell you, it's good. Get yourself a tinny. Yeah, I, I have a, a, a puppet of my... Missing testicle, amongst other things. <laughs> I do a puppet show. I took clear stones. Uh, and oh, Relativity, my rather charming, though with a slight edge to it, to Radio 4 sitcom is on uh, charming. Radio Radio 4 at the moment. There's no... Uh, oh, actually, it is all about testicular cancer. So, I was going to say there's no seven testicles in it, would, but that's what this series is entirely about. Would you say it's a rye sideways look at <laughs> testicular cancer? <laughs> Who wouldn't on Radio 4? Well, this has been The New Conspiracist. You can join us, as always, on the Tier 4 platform. Platinum Circle, when we're going to talk about... We will be talking about how QAnon actually had its roots in hunting down the Croydon cat killer. 
What my God. It's going to be such a good one. And Tune Johnny, in for me so suffering angry. continuously after trying to make sure we didn't talk about the Croydon Cat Killer <laughs> uh, all series. We will be back next week. Our producer was Michael Dale. Our engineers, Jay Beale, Josh Gibbs, Gully Lawrence Tickle and Teddy Riley. Production coordinator was Lily Hambly. Our marketing coordinator, Emily Webb. And our executive producer, Alex Lawless. With additional production from Chris Skinner. Good night. Hold up. 